Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host for the day. I'm joined by a couple members of the team at Clickly. We're going to be talking with you uh, about why digital marketing has struggled to offer pay-for-performance options. And I had the pleasure of meeting Cooper, uh, the founder uh, at Clickly, a few weeks back at Meet Magento New York, uh, and was intrigued by what their team was doing and, and some of the history there. And uh, we have Darren here with us as well from the Clickly team. So um, with, with no further ado, uh, Cooper, Darren, would you mind introducing yourselves? Yeah. yeah thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. No, thank you. <laughs> um, no, we're really excited to be here and to join you. Um, I have to say it was so much fun geeking out at Meet Magento from a technical angle. So I'm, I'm glad we're actually getting to do this officially now. Um, yeah, I, I'm the CEO and the founder of Clickly. Um, it's my second company. Uh, what else about me? I, I was formerly um, in a very different uh, walk of life, a, an actor in, in a number of TV shows and films. But, um, you know, I got the entrepreneurial bug about four years in and was on a, a fairly significant show. It got bored and got uh, into tech. So tech is kind of my passion now, and I hope in the course of my life to start a bunch of companies. And um, yeah, so right now we're in the midst of Clickly, headquartered here in California, and uh, really enjoying it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know if you get um, any SAG credit for being on the podcast today, but... Uh, <laughs> is this union, Robert? Is yeah. this a, a union show? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. My membership expired ages ago. Haven't, haven't touched it in a while. Oh, shucks. Closest I ever got was uh, in college. I was a background actor in one of the Spider-Man films. I, I got to oh, be an nice. extra. That's cool. That's a, yeah. So I got to meet everyone on, you know, on the cast and all. That was a lot of fun. And I, like you, learned that that wasn't what I was going to do the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although I, I may have figured it out pretty quickly. Yes, exactly. That's funny. Well, cool. I'm I'm Darren, uh, director of accounts over at Clickly. Uh, essentially, oversee sales partnerships or any of our live brand accounts. Um, I guess a little bit about me. I, I took an interesting turn right out of college. I was able to open up a restaurant with some friends, and and it's still open and successful. And there's three other spots, so that's kind of usually a good that's sign so in, the, in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Wow, yeah, mm -hmm. that you've defied all the odds on that. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know the age of 24, I quickly realized that my friends and family and everybody else were completely 180 and having weekends and nights and all that stuff. And I really loved the, the digital aspect of it. Mm. So I got into the agency side of things uh, early in my career and then kind of worked my way through a lot of large agencies doing integrated strategy. Uh, did a little bit in the affiliate space as well, running my own agency. And then Found the lovely Cooper and got very excited at what they're doing over here. And uh, yeah, here we are. Very excited. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we now I know where, where we're meeting next time I head to California, though. It's not <laughs> at your offices. You've got four restaurants, right? <laughs> yeah, we have good yeah. options there, right? Yeah. So we got seriously lucky to get Darren. He came out of um, one of my favorite agencies in um, in LA called W Promote, which actually Bob is on the Bob Schwartz, um, yeah. of course, a big Magento figure. Absolutely. Is there mm -hmm. and um, is heavily involved with them. And Mike Mother over there is fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we were lucky to to have Darren um, have that background and then be at Clickly now. Yeah, I got to catch Bob Schwartz uh, out at Magento Imagine this year. He was speaking 
at uh, an event that was being hosted at NSA's headquarters, just uh, just off the strip. Very convenient for uh, <laughs> for an event, um, and he was as great as ever. So, no, yeah. I, the team at sure. W Promote's lucky to have him involved, and yes, uh, yes. it's been great watching W Promote grow through the years. That um, back in my brand marketing days, that we saw them as a, a serious contender for anyone in the digital marketing space. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So you know, and, and I know that that our team was often speaking side by side on panels and on other places with, with their team and uh, mm-hmm. certainly <laughs> you know mm-hmm. re- really uh, amazing stuff so no, Darren that's that's yeah. interesting um, on, on amazing, that background amazing company really great guys over there yeah and Cooper I, I have to ask so you know this your second company what was the first one doing it was actually more in the agency-ish space, uh, but combining a lot of analytics and data so we basically would create branded content so think commercials or short form story, um, digital episodic content. And then we would use a lot of data and analytics to predict uh, who would engage with it and how much. So we were trying to help large companies. um, We would sell those branded content pieces to companies like Kimberly Clark, Post-it Notes, Post-it Notes, Parent Company 3M, very large, perhaps a little bit legacy um, companies that were very um, committed to and excited about millennials. So it's like, how do we, yeah, how do we engage better with millennials? Um, and that's what we help them do. That is interesting. Teaching grandma and grandpa to, to work with, uh, with millennials. Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think that one of the biggest challenges that uh, the e-commerce industry has been facing in recent years has been taking not just the retailers, um, you know, into the digital age, but the wholesalers, the distributors, the manufacturers, the brands, these B2B organizations that, you know, they're still taking fax and phone orders and they're still relying on, on writing up orders at trade shows. And it's, it's just such a different uh, paradigm and every customer's got different rates and different um, you know, shipping agreements and different everything, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. bringing that into a digital world, the complexity is is unique. All the net terms, mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I, a lot of that to go around, and I think that yeah. so, some of those are the best projects. It's yeah, you know, where, where folks really can. There's a, a lot of yeah. revenue. There's a lot of um, you know, a lot of product. There's a lot of everything to go around. It's just a matter of modernizing. So right. yep. Yeah. And what we realized was that by combining really strong storytelling with um, really good data, we were able to just exponentially increase um, what they were able to do, their ability to speak to a certain demographic, et cetera. So it was a ton of fun. It was actually good, very good, um, let's say a good preamble for Clickly mm-hmm. and what we're doing now. Very cool. So speaking of history, getting a little bit into our topic for the day, uh, what does the traditional digital marketing landscape look like over the last decade, in your opinion? What, uh, when you started this new company, what were you looking at as the, uh, the legacy um, of the internet marketing uh, yeah. space as it is? Well, so, so just kind of at the most macro level, um, we, we would watch, this is a very personal and anecdotal experience, but I would watch my friends who started big, large companies um, you know, think Dollar Shave and the like, right? I would watch them initially not always um, back out their advertising in a way that they were happy with, right? Um, High CPAs, throttling algorithms, all this stuff. 
um, was happening. And, and some, some brands, not Dollar Shave, but others would lose huge amounts of money in very mm-hmm. short periods of time. This is when I was more on the content creation and agency side. And I remember just sitting there thinking like, what a business model, an advertising platform. <laughs> they just have to sit there, say, Hey, give me a lot of money up front. And like, let's see what I can do. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but like pay me. <laughs> and that business model struck me as one brilliant, but I would never get away with it, right? Like it's absurd in a way. Yeah, it's basically, uh, <laughs> it's a gambling hall of one sort or another. It's a casino. You're right. going to put some money in the machine and maybe you, you win, maybe you don't. Either way, this beautiful casino <laughs> is cashing in. Uh, right. The, the house always wins. Mm-hmm. It, well, that's so true. And so... I kind of, at the most macro level, we saw that, we saw a lot of other things, which Darren can talk to in more detail, but, you know, looking at the fraud and everything that was happening, we're just like, you know, it would be cool. What if we could take data and tech and actually make a platform that was more aligned with the brands? Now, I, I am not going to sit here and say, I mean, I'm very biased, right? So I'm not going to say, click is the best thing ever, <laughs> but like, we're trying to get pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, we've really flipped the model on its head. You know, we are paid for performance, like purely uh, commission-based. And so um, so we've really tried to create that thrust of being, you know, aligned with the brands. We only make money when you do. Con- contrasting to, with a very specific goal to contrast to what the industry used to look like. And in some cases still does. Yeah. Darren's the expert on, um, of course, that space given his Yeah, I mean, it's, it still does, right? It's it's still the industry standard. People are still familiar with the, the big guys, the Googles, the Facebooks, right? You, I mean, it's something that you still need to go to. Absolutely. It's, it, ha- it has visibility, but it's expensive. And especially mm-hmm. in a time where, to be honest, money is, is easy to get. You know, with with some great companies or VCs or whatever it may be, you still have companies and brands that can come in and no matter what the cost, make sure that they win. So you could have an amazing company, an amazing brand, an amazing story, but, you know, somebody else can come in and say, oh, I don't care. I'll pay as much as I need for for that click and that traffic. So they saturate the market because they can. And then it doesn't, it's not a meritocracy. A great Mm -hmm. brand isn't getting the visibility they perhaps deserve because someone Mm -hmm. has more money. Yeah. More. And if you look at the progression of it, when I started working with e-commerce sites or with websites in general and digital marketing, we're going back, you know, a good dozen years to when I really broke into the industry. And yeah. it was a different time. You could rank uh, in Google pretty easily okay. because the competition wasn't there. And if you knew what and not enough people were savvy to SEO. And so the time it took and the resource it took to get the job done was relatively light. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's a much different uphill battle. The same goes when it comes to things like AdWords that, yes, you know, there are things that have changed in, you know, on the Google side that, uh, you know, Google ads can afford to charge a premium. They're not afraid of where else you're going to go. Right, right, they, they've right. won the market. Um, there right. is a bit of, of a monopoly there in that sense for, you know, mm-hmm. organic search engine or, or paid search engine in this case results. But I, I think just as interestingly, it's the competition because mm-hmm. it's a it's an auction system. You're bidding against right. others. Right. And so right. with all these other people bidding you up, I, I, just what you've described. Um, so you go through this one after the other and a lot of the the traditionally available opportunities Yep. Um, they become expensive. They become time-consuming uh, resource-wise. Yep. So it, it's not that you want to give them up or it's not that you don't want to pay attention to them, but it, mm-hmm. 
it's hard to get the same kind of ROI that you would have when, you know, you weren't competing in the same way in general, even for then, you know, for comparison shopping that, Right, you, right, right. you know, now you're competing against Amazon in a different way and, and lots of other places. Well, let's so. be real. Everyone is competing against, against yeah. Amazon always. For, yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. Point, Robert, it's, you know, in, in the olden days, let's say it's really not that long ago, I think 10, 12 years ago, right? Yeah. But, you know, SEO, right? It's free. It's, it's still important. It, I, I don't think it should be ignored, but by all means, Google's smart. And the search engine results page, there's not much real estate, even if you have the number one, number two ranking as it relates to organic. You know, there's shopping, there's the, the paid search ads. Like, if you look at the, the top amount, all of that is paid now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, so while organic is still important and it is free and it's great, you know, mostly yeah, it's paid. Okay. Right? Yeah. And the other thing that I want to mention too, just as an interesting side note on this, how kind of how the industry has changed is as they have become more and more advances in technology, more and more, let's say, ad tech companies have, mm-hmm. have grown up. And, and we actually don't consider ourselves ad tech. We're more data and commerce. But I will say, you'll see the rise of fraud, bots, mm-hmm. low quality human traffic, <laughs> which means non-human. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, the, the, these are actually automated bots that have been programmed to run and pretend like they're looking at your ads and clicking on them and it's not happening. And that's just rampant right now. So where, where in the past that wasn't really the case, it's gotten more and more and more over time because more and more of these advertising companies out there benefit from it. Yeah. And again, that's to contrast with quickly, that's l- literally why we exist is to be the opposite. It's that, you know, while you'll have seen this and I won't call out any specific agencies, but there are agencies out there, none we work with, but that have a incentive to, at the end of the month, you know, these are marketing agencies. So if they have a budget of 20,000, 50,000, hundred thousand dollars and they haven't spent it all. Well, guess Mm. what happens? They go and buy a huge amount of traffic to spend the money. Otherwise they have to give back. And, um, and it's incentivizing for them to buy low quality traffic and really cheap remnant. But guess what? <laughs> the people who view that um, that inventory online, that digital space that you're buying, they're not purchasers or they're not even people. Yeah. And so I, I didn't want to build a company where we made money doing that because obviously, quickly, we only make money if the person actually buys something. So we really have to avoid that yeah. situation. So it's kind of a, an interesting way to think of, um, to think of it. Yeah. Uh- there, you know, I, I know companies like NS8, they're, they're getting two plugs today for, <laughs> for right? Uh, but that, that helped to block some of the ad fraud. It's become a, a real issue, especially, uh, you know, for folks that are running various display ads and, mm-hmm. and such. It, it, it is interesting watching um, the increase in those things. But at the same time, I think everyone's always wanted a, a pay for performance model that having come from the agency side, uh, everyone wanted that. We did have some customers that we would allow to pay us by the lead that we generated or mm-hmm. some other metric because they were mm-hmm. big enough. You know, they were, there was enough on the table. We knew that we'd perform um, yeah. and we were willing mm-hmm. to put our money where our mouth yeah. was to an extent, but they were still paying for, let's say the ad spend or for some portion um, themselves. There might've been a few where we did the SEO and, uh, you know, pay for performance again, because yeah. we felt confident um, and what we were going to achieve there. But that's the exception to the rule that as an agency, you've got to make payroll. Um, you know, people are, are basically in one way or another, they're, they're 
you know, getting expertise from you the same way that it, when they get an accountant or a lawyer, what have you, they're, they're paying a firm. Um, and regardless of you know, whether, I don't know, you know, whether there's an audit or there's a, or they win a case or whatever it is that, that you're, you're paying for the labor. Um, there's yeah. some, you know, even whether they're paying a percentage or what have you, uh, you know, of ad spend or, or some other model. The only model that I, I really ever ran into that was more traditional pay for performance would have been uh, more often than not affiliate marketing and yeah. not, you know, that that's a mixed bag onto itself. Um, you know, you've got to find the right publishers that are going to do right by you. You're paying an ad network, you're paying, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're paying the publishers that are publishing, yeah. you know, the material that are, that are getting their commission. Um, you're paying someone on your side to work on on the overall project to be putting out yeah. offers and doing whatever. So now there's like three mouths to feed in the process. Mm-hmm. If you can find the right, you know, the right commission built in and the right uh, publishers that right. will, you know, yeah. have the right consumers to put your offers in front of it, a lot of things to go wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So knowing that, um, you know, a lot of risk in a lot of those older models, certainly lots of businesses making lots of money um, running different marketing campaigns like these. But, you know, for as many that, that work, there's certainly a percentage that, that fail or that have poor performance where it's not really a, a, a good return on the ad spend at all, um, you know, sometimes uh, a significant loss. So right. you created Clickly to create uh, a new a new road, <laughs> a, a, a yeah. new path forward. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. So we call Clickly a commerce engine. And the reason we do that is because we use a lot of tech, a lot of data, and a lot of insights to really go and get sales for our customers. That's, that's our goal. And that's the whole existence of our being. And the reason that's our goal versus like, I don't know, um, you know, we're going to show pretty pictures everywhere or whatever is, is the model in which we charge, which is, as you said, based on sales, it's pure performance. Um, and so that was the platform that we set out to build. That was, that is what we built. Um, so yeah, I mean, quickly at its very core is that commerce engine. We are essentially an advertising platform, but with the real goal to drive actual performance for a brand. Um, you know, we have two major differentiators, really three. The first is, of course, that business model, which is that the brand, you know, there's no real expensive setup fee at all. They're just paying when we get them a sale. It's mm-hmm. very simple. <laughs> On, by the way, a commission set by the brand. Yeah. So we'll get into that later, but that's also, I think, very different. Um, so that's the first. The second differentiator is kind of cool. We have um, really seen that when you streamline the checkout process, the sales go up. And so what we've created is this ability for consumers out there, once we're promoting our brand's products, when people see, consumers see our ads, they actually have the ability to buy within them if they so choose. They don't have to, but they can buy in the ad. That's the second big differentiator. In so a very some people might go right to the site um, yeah. to make sure that they feel comfortable, yeah. but others, the same way that they might buy from an Instagram ad today, yeah. Um, yeah. they're going to buy right from the ad. Exactly right. Yep. Awesome. And then the third differentiator is um, is more just logistical, kind of in a housekeeping way, but it's it's great. Uh, the The idea of the third differentiator is that it's super easy, meaning you don't have to have a huge technical team to make it happen. It's great if you have an SI, they can set Clickly up for you. It'll be great and streamlined for them. But if you don't and you don't have an agency at all, 
it's totally fine because you're actually able to get Clickly set up in under 30 minutes without touching code. And is that regardless of what platform they're on? Or are you basically getting well, all the data thinking, you need from their e-com? E yeah, so you can use specifically to Magento um, brands, given Perfect. the Magento context of us. But oh, yeah. absolutely. So, and, and certainly also the case with other platforms like Shopify, mm -hmm. Shopify Plus, et cetera. But yeah, so for a Magento brand coming on, it takes about 15 to 30 minutes to sign up. It's three steps. The first step is an account creation. And the second step is you load your products um, that you want us to promote. All this happens by like clicking boxes, right? No product feeds necessary, nothing. Um, we auto-generate the ads ourselves. So you don't even have to come to us with creative. We pull it directly from your site and create it for you. So it's kind of like remarketing where it's going to pull whichever product it's supposed to pull at that point uh, and yeah, put yeah. them right into the ads and, yeah. in, a, in an imperfect, mm -hmm. yeah, but, mm -hmm. but it's dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then that third step is what I alluded to earlier. It's that um, setting the commission step. So the brand actually goes into step three and they have a little toggle up and down and on that lever, they can mm -hmm. toggle it, the commission up to as high as a hundred if they want to make a donation. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as far down to 1%. Now, the no, kicker no, actually here, we yeah. have some guiders. Yeah, <laughs> you, exactly. You, you 1%, yeah. you know, we probably might not show you that much, but. Right. Well, and it's, it's kind of that. Um, it just allows every brand to choose whatever's comfortable for them. Because mm -hmm. Every brand is unique and they all have different margins and different needs, different strategies. Yeah. But I will, I will note that if brands set one, two, 3%, they think they're all clever. They're yeah. like, I'm going to game quickly. The reality is it's not incentivizing for our engine and our algorithms will not prioritize them highly. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, by all means, we're not naive to think that as Cooper mentioned earlier, quickly is the end all be all. And mm -hmm. it's the only thing that they'll use. I think part of being able to select that commission is, is understanding the brand strategy, right? Yes. And every brand's going to be different. Every brand's using a different channel. Every mm -hmm. brand has different goals. Mm -hmm. um, and being, being able to pull those different levers mm -hmm. on our side, at least, and for the brands allows us to certainly be an additive. With all that in mind, is there a minimum size for a brand to really fit into to your metric to have enough data to work with or, um, you know, to, to really be able to leverage the platform the way that you've designed it? Uh, I like how you went directly there to the data piece because that's, that's <laughs> yeah. correct. There's no catch to quickly really because it's semi-risk free. But if there is a quote unquote catch, it's that, well, number one, we are invite only. So we're very thoughtful about who we work with because it's a very attractive proposition, we'll say, right? Risk-free performance-based advertising, like kind of who wouldn't want that in a way. So we do, we are invite-only. So brands do have to apply or come through preferred partners. Um, but but once they do make it onto the Clickly platform, we do need them to be a certain size. And Darren mm -hmm. can give you a little more insight onto why. Yeah. So all that we run is ran through a machine learning algorithm that we've created. And naturally, you know, it's a machine, right? A machine needs data to form logic. Um, in order to form that logic, we need plenty of data in order to actually scale and show success. Uh, otherwise, you know, if somebody came on and they're just starting out and they have a thousand site visits, um, I will go out on a limb and say it's not to say that quickly wouldn't work. We'd probably just be months and months and months and months down the line for us to finally get anything yeah. to work off of. You can't build a predictive model of like what type of consumer likes certain products if that certain product belongs to a brand with no data. Right. Yeah. So we, there's no persona. There's no persona that. Right. Yeah, that, that's a joke. Well, and, and keep in mind, Robert, we are taking risk day one for every right. brand who joins quickly. We are buying ads out of our own pocket for our brands, essentially. So and, we are paying up front. Yeah. 
Yeah. So where are these ads being displayed? Or, you know, talking of expense to your team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So definitely a great question for us. Going back to what we mentioned earlier about bot traffic and, and fraudulence and things of that nature. Um, for us, we're commission-based, right? We need to get a sale in order to actually make money. And so logically, we need to have premium placements. Uh, for us, we have a pretty extensive reach, about 25 million plus uh, large publications right now. Probably most of what you can think of off the top of your head, Vogue, Cosmo, Allure, ESPN, Men's Fitness. Um, and again, going back to that, we're commission-based. We need sales, so we need proper placements in yeah. order for people to actually go there. They're real humans. There's real interaction. There's actual intent. Um, and a lot of the times, those placements fare well off of a, a strategic... Of course, we're strategic about it, right? We're not going to show some makeup on men's fitness. Right. <laughs> well, I, I'm, there are various consumers out there. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I'd be yeah. interested in the testing on that, especially maybe you know yeah. around... Uh, uh, you know, around Valentine's Day or what have you, does the perfume sell better to an ESPN yeah, audience yeah, that needs to buy true. it then, unless uh, they get locked out? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always interesting when, when things work a little differently than you think. But no, that that makes perfect sense. That you need different um, different placements uh, that are going to work with, with different inventory that you have, um, right. in your network. And that are fairly premium. Again, we really avoid buying anything that isn't hundred percent human because right. buying remnant inventory, you're not going to see results there. So mm -hmm. we just don't touch it. Yeah. And a lot of it is that simplicity, right? It, it is being ran by a machine learning algorithm and therefore we're, we're kind of taking care of those understandings, consumer interactions, AB testing, things that are going to drive conversions. Um, right. Again, on our side, or, or even a brand or an SR, whoever's managing quickly, uh, as it relates to daily management, right, and, and making adjustments in that fashion, there's there's not much needed. That's kind of yeah. the, the cherry on top for, for quickly and the beauty of, of what we've created is, you know, really, you're just kind of logging in and, and looking at the success that we've brought right. to your brand in terms of the numbers and, and looking at everything else. So shoppable ads. Uh, I, I'm still thinking about that in, in general. So if they, obviously that's very easily for you to track so that you get paid on that performance. They click the ad, they have an option to buy. Um, I imagine that they're just buying the one product in whatever quantity. So it's probably a, a pretty quick process. Uh, you know, li like, you know, a, a one click kind of a, uh, a checkout. Um, they, they don't need to go through all, all kinds of other pages to get through it. Do you see a, a good lift from that um, compared to if maybe, you know, you were to try to bring them through to the customer's site? Well, yeah, and, but it also completely depends on the person. So mm -hmm. I would say, like, like we say, it's like icing on the cake. There, there's a certain demographic of people out there who want an impulse purchase. Um, then there's a certain demographic out there of consumers who might be interested in the product and they'll go a little way down the journey, but maybe they don't want to completely buy right. in the ad. And then there's a whole set of people, of consumers out there who, who don't want any of that. They just want to go to the store per usual, right? Yeah. What's interesting is those three types of consumers, the ratios are changing, right? In the past, everybody was like, I'm going to go to my desktop and do a really considered long, long-term buying consideration process. And I'm going to spend a month researching the purchase and blah, blah, blah. There's still some people who do that. My brother's one of them. <laughs> um, at the other end of the spectrum 
is the portion of the population, and to be honest, they're usually like Gen Z and millennials, mm-hmm. who just want it quickly. We grew up with credit cards that would refund us for anything we wanted. Um, so we just call the bank. And I have no patience and no time. So I'm like, I'm going to impulse purchase this. If I decide I don't want it later, I might return it. Otherwise, I just, you know, get my money back. I or mean, maybe I keep it. Who cares? Like, it, to me, <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> isn't that kind of why I mean? Yeah, exactly. uh, I, I may or may not be trying to convince my wife tonight that shoppable ads are very high risk and, you know, that, that they're not safe because I, I, I got to cut out those impulse buys right but now. <laughs> yeah. and, and to be honest, that's actually why we created Quickly. I was on HuffPost on my phone. I was scrolling through a page, reading some article. In the midst of it, this ad pops up for a pair of shoes. And I was like, damn, you got me. Like, I do want those shoes. Fine. Let's do it. And so I clicked on them to buy them. But then, you know, it pops up the new page, the new browser window. And then it's navigating me and the little blue line across the top is like the nav bar is just going so slow. And it's like three seconds later, very irritating. That's why they need jet rails, by the way. Um, (laughs) Little plug there, but true. Um, So that process is just so painful. And then you're in the car and you're doing multiple. Some people will do that and will continue to, but the portion of the population now and growing faster and faster, they don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. The number of millennials and more Gen Z who will refuse to navigate to a second page is growing. So as this large portion, larger and larger portion of the population who, by the way, next year will control over 40% of the wallet, as they get (laughs) more and more ADD, they're not going to go to a second page. So brands need something to combat that. And we hope that we are that technology. But but as of now, to answer your question, whether the consumer buys in our ad unit or clicks back to the site, doesn't matter to us, doesn't really matter to the brand. It's just a cool additive feature that will Mm -hmm. become more and more important. Mm -hmm. And they buy it through one of your ads. You take care of the merchant services and you pay the, the brand for that order. And if they go right to the site, it's a traditional checkout and you have some mechanism for tracking that. So you, you get your pay for performance, uh, you know, taken care of that, uh, you're profitable. Yeah. And just yeah. to be clear, like the purchase order and all the data from the consumer goes straight into the back end and Magento, you treat it. It looks and feels like it happened on your site. You happen to know that it didn't, but you should be able to treat it as business as usual. Nothing funky or weird. Plus, Basically just like having a different, yeah. um, maybe a, a, a different payment method. So, instead of having taken the order through traditional credit card, it came through PayPal or Amazon Pay. Mm. In this case, it came through quickly. Not a bad, yeah, if, not a bad. I mean, I'm, they're a little bit more complicated than that, but you know, at the end of the day, for the person, for the admin that's in there fulfilling yeah, exactly. the order, right. yep. that's the net yep. result. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And then the difference, of course, with us is unlike a Amazon marketplace, we're always going to give the um, brands their consumers data. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. The brand owns the data. They know the consumer. They can email them, etc. And You know, having all that in mind, would you consider Clickly an additional sales channel the way that merchants have feel the need to be in some marketplaces today or other places that you're basically in another sales channel that they can take advantage of to mm. supplement and grow in, in a more unique way? Um, as opposed to just looking at it as a, a competitor to other advertising. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's overall where Clickly is heading as well. You know, I mean, we have slowly owned and operated Clickly sites and, and things of that nature that we can leverage. But overall, I mean, being able to have that 
external feature that again is just that additive and i think over over the years and, and i say years and i mean maybe like one or two maybe three i'm not sure but it's just going to be a norm right it's already starting to continue to be a norm through instagram even through some of our ad. it's just going to be that norm and if you have that available it's an additional sales channel that i, I feel like a brand should use especially with how risk adverse it is mm-hmm. yeah and you know, so far you've been making a good push with the Magento community. Sounds like you've got some other uh, platforms that, that you're targeting. In essence, you're, you're going after the places where you're find, finding brands of the right size, the right fit um, yeah. for your particular offering, right? You know, that's, yeah, that's I what's that. driving your, your partnerships uh, around those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Magento ecosystem is really exciting to us. We're actually new to Magento. Mm-hmm. So we are, um, we are, as I mentioned, invite only still, but yet Magento is really appealing and enticing to us. Um, one of the newer platforms that we've integrated into and have a partnership with. So yeah, we're, um, we're all about Magento and the partners in the ecosystem. It's a, it's a fantastic place to um, do business. And, um, you know, thinking about that and, and the average Magento merchant, uh, I know we've talked a little bit about size. Is there a, a number of SKUs, a number of products that typically works for this type of marketing where you're going to serve up the right ads to the right people, the right place, the right time, yep. um, back to those algorithms and machine learning? <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the goal and the the idea behind it is that we do pick the right thing to get the right person at the right time. Right. Um, and then uh, in terms of number of SKUs, yes and no. It absolutely works with one or two SKUs. For sure, it will. However, you know, like like in the world, consumers like lots of options. So right. if we have lots of options, it definitely makes it easier for us. So when we see those consumers out there, maybe if you have, you know, 20 SKUs instead of just one, we have 20 different opportunities to find slightly different consumers, right, to buy your products. So it definitely helps us to have brands who have probably at least five or six SKUs. I will tell you, almost 80% of our brands, Mm -hmm. um, when they sign up with Quickly, they choose to promote their entire catalog. And that Mm. definitely um, boosts the performance. That's interesting. uh, Diving right in. (laughs) Yeah, um, yep. makes sense to me. Um, you know, I, I usually I like to ask technology companies where they got their names, how that came about. Clickly seems like a more obvious name than some, but <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't easy finding an available name that worked. Uh, how did you how did you come to it? What were there other things that were really high up in the running? Did this just, you know, fall in your lap or? I'm actually curious too. Uh, well, so, <laughs> so I, funnily enough, my mom is actually a, a writer, um, a published author, and she's very good with words. And I was telling her about the company and I was telling her about like a huge long list of names, all, all in the same family that I wanted. Was she getting it? And, was she following um, along? Yeah, yeah, she was yeah? following along. Got, yeah, okay. totally. Yeah. She also <laughs> teaches at Duke University. So okay. she's a brainy, brainy gal. Um, and, and she was like, so what's the main thing you want people to do and kind of get from this? I was like, well, you know, like they're clicking and buying quickly. Like they're just clicking quickly. She was like, what about quickly? <laughs> I was like, aha. And it was very similar to every other thing on our list. I think we had like clicker eyes and clickify and like all these other things. But um, 
but yeah and i thought what a cool thing like let's make a portmanteau out of two words that i just said and beautifully i actually have the idea for the name and the general concept before even way before i started the company and so and then i did r d on it for a couple years and finally then i raised some money and decided let's do this again while i was running that first company but um but the beauty is back when we had the idea dot com was available um <laughs> all patents trademarks all of that actually incredibly easy so <laughs> wow. made 199 on godaddy for that domain <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. that's yeah. that's not easy um yeah. <laughs> getting harder and harder like, like we say you know the early days of the internet everything was available now exactly. not so much yeah. oh, that's pretty awesome and now i know what episode of the podcast i'm going to be tagging for mother's day okay big shout out there (laughs) yeah no no i i don't know where i'd be without mom so (laughs) yeah yeah. very very cool stuff very glad that i asked as always there's always a (laughs) backstory um so you know really fantastic having both of you on today um any final thoughts or you know words of wisdom that you'd love to share on the uh on the tail end here Yeah, I mean, you know, um, as we get into the Magento ecosystem, I think it's a beautiful place for us to play because the tech available there is so, so robust, right? So we feel very at home. Um, But I I definitely would say if brands don't have, and it doesn't have to be quickly, but if they don't have a real data forward, tech forward solution that gives them this kind of risk-free performance-based opportunity, get one. Because CPAs are only going up, you know, Facebook's throttling here and there. It's just becoming so hard. And I, and I do, and I'm very biased, but I do want brands to have that extra edge because we see so much of the market being flooded by these like really big companies who are just paying up the wazoo to get in front of everyone's eyeballs. And the good brands aren't winning necessarily. And Mm -hmm. I want the good brands with the good products to win. And that's what we're all about. So that's that's our big push into the Magento ecosystem. How can we um, add value to and really promote the Magento brands that are doing such cool things and need to need more visibility? Be be they our small, you know, one two million a year brand, or you know, our more robust, like you know, sixty hundred million dollar a year brands. Everybody can use a little bit more visibility. Yes. Fantastic. Well. Uh, you know, really, really a pleasure to have both of you on today. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll have you on in the future here about some of the ramp up and and maybe uh, you know I I don't know you might keep the platform invite only forever, but uh, <laughs> you know it, it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of yeah. years, I'm sure. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. To our our listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in. Um, feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have suggestions for a future episode, you can reach us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, at JetRails, or directly at JetRails.com. Thanks, and happy selling.